Well, hey, all. Uh, Joseph, welcome back to the podcast for week two in our six-week series about the church vision here at Oak Grove Methodist Church. I'm a pastor for Connection and Digital Ministry. It's a new thing in my title. I'm still trying to figure out how to say it correctly, but we're glad to have you here on the podcast. Delighted to welcome the one and only Carrie White. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Uh, to be here to talk with us about the vision process and about how we connect uh, in, in our faith and in our life here. Uh, Carrie uh, has a lot of things she has done in life. One of the first people I met when I started working here at the church is in the uh, Modern Worship Band. But before we get to all those details, uh, I do want to start with just saying, uh, yeah, thanks for listening and being part of the podcast. You can subscribe, all those things you do, the internet people ask you to do. Please check that out on our website, as well as YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts and things. So before we dive into Connect, uh, it's really important, I think, on the podcast for people to know a little bit of who they're talking to and how we got here. So, uh, so Carrie White, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you ended up here at Oak Grove. We've been here a while, which um, every every year when somebody asks, how long have you been here? I'm like, ooh, it's been oh, a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, 2011, actually. Um, and I've been thinking about this a bit about when the, the first when we first visited. So my wife and I were looking for uh, a new church home. And we uh, we sort of drew a circle around our, our home of how far we were willing to drive. <laughs> and yeah. We're both lifelong United Methodist, and so we were, you know, we were looking for a United Methodist Church, and we we visited Oak Grove, and we actually never visited anywhere else. <laughs> wow, wow, like a one hit, what? Yes, boom, this is yeah, it, one yeah. take. Go. So um, we uh, we we visited for almost a year, probably before we actually joined um, the church, and so the kids were pretty young. Um, our youngest was. Uh, fourth or fifth grade. She was just getting ready to start fifth grade, I think. And um, our oldest was just going into the youth program. And so we um, we were looking for something that had, you know, youth, children, other things. Modern was definitely uh, important to us. We wanted a contemporary service at the time. And we had been uh, singing and playing in a contemporary service already. And my wife lifelong musician and you know player of all the things <laughs> yeah one of the first times i ever met you all like uh was before i actually served here at annual conference when you and atticus and the band and Dottie were were there as the musicians for all of annual conference that's the big gathering of methodists in athens uh and you were playing an upright bass yeah and i was like she is so cool <laughs> i don't know who she is but i need to meet her uh and then it turns out uh, you know, obviously yeah. knew y'all from the church. So excited to come in my first week and see you up on stage playing bass and doing things. But yeah. but how did that happen? How did you end up uh, being a part of the the modern worship band with that? Yeah, it's funny because we really we had we loved the service and and the way things were going, and we were not participating in the service at all. At, at you know, we hadn't joined the church yet or anything, and we were kind of happy with that. We had been both serving mm. every Sunday for a long time, both sure. probably you know, most of our lives at that point, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it was nice to just kind of sit in the congregation and enjoy it. And sure. actually, Mary Lou was preaching at the time. Okay. This is Mary Lou Gilbert, who is a legend in the North Dakota Conference. She retired like three times, uh, but one of our, uh, one of the first female clergy in the conference and really remarkable human. And um, our oldest was just, he just loved Mary Lou. It's like, this is just great. Loved her. And so that was one of the reasons that we kept coming back too, was we just, everybody really, you know, was so nice and great. And it was, it was, it felt easy and comfortable mm. to be in the service. And so on the Sunday we joined, it was actually Mary Lou's um, last Sunday. And um, 
we decided we were going to join the church, and we joined that Sunday. And it was also uh, the end of an intern's position with the band, and she had been playing keys for the band. She was an intern from Emory, and nice, she was playing. Nice. And it was her last Sunday, and I we had noticed that the bass player for the band had not been around for a while, and they'd had some subs, and then they hadn't had a bass player. It was just very over the last like couple of months. And so when we joined, Atticus came up and spoke to us as well, and um. And I said, you know, if you if you need somebody to fill in for bass, I I play, and and he was like, really? And yeah, I like and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was like, and, and my wife Dottie, she plays keys. He was like, what? <laughs> Two for one, yes, please. Yeah. And yeah, so okay. we started the next Sunday, and we've been there ever since. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we we volunteered and we've been in. Well, but that that's what I find at this church is that people find their thing that they love. Yeah. And stay in it for a long season, uh, and so that's that's testament to the power of that being a place of connection for you yeah. and for your wife, uh, and a way that you sort of got plugged into the work of the church and giving your time and resources to help other people in worship uh, and to yeah to yeah. find a meaningful space for yourself. Okay, yeah. so jumped in, went ahead, volunteered, yeah. all the things, yeah. <laughs> yep. and uh, that that's pretty awesome. Um, do you want to say anything about your day job? So uh, I'm the Director of Operations and Strategic Alliances for Housing and Residence Life at Georgia Tech. Um, and so I manage all of our assignments and student experience and um, all of our applications for a variety of different things. Logistics move in. So we're just finishing up move in. We just moved in um, about 9,000 residents over wow. the last week. And I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted, but they're here. And I'm, gra- I'm, gra- I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So, uh, well, welcome to all of our Georgia Tech friends and our yeah. friends at Georgia Tech Wesley. Uh, that's the Methodist College Ministry. They're already kicking things off and uh, our prayers with Jeff and Sam and everybody there. And uh, with all those students back here in Atlanta, it's yeah. really exciting to to have that energy and tiredness. Yes. Uh, so yes. <laughs> as a former college minister, I, I feel that in my in my spirit. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's it's neat when you're thinking about logistics and how all that part of things works. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things I certainly know about you from early on is your organizational skills and talents, uh, but also the soft skills with people and helping people feel welcomed and included. Uh, that's a huge part of my experience with you. Yeah. And I know that's a part of what you do in your uh, your career and your vocation yeah. um, outside of playing bass a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so y- you were invited on the vision team uh, to bring all of those skills and talents you have uh, and, and who you are to be a part of that process. Again, it was an eight-month or nine-month, year-long process uh, <laughs> for collecting all the data and information, prayerfully discerning where we as a church wanted to to go and what we feel like God is leading us towards. Um, I'll say the vision statement here in a little bit, but before we get to that, <laughs> I do want to ask uh, just sort of what was your experience being on the vision team and what was that kind of like and what was what, what were your takeaways from it? Yeah. So when Beth asked me to, to join the team, I'm a joiner. So, and I'm also, I'm definitely the person that I want to be in everything because I'm afraid of, you know, missing out on anything. Fear of missing yes, out. I have a, oh, I have a serious FOMO, FOMO issue, but, um, so, but when she asked, I was like, sure, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll join in. You know, I honestly wasn't really sure what we were going to be doing or what I would be doing or how I could contribute. Um, I've been on a lot of committees, so, you know, I had some sense of what was happening, but uh, certainly didn't really understand the full weight of what we would be doing. And and even now, I'm even seeing the fruits of that. I'm amazed, you know, at, at what that turned out to be. She asked me to join. I said, sure. And then, you know, we got started and it was it was a little slow at first and we were all very 
what's happening. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. All of us figuring out like what's happening while we're driving there. It's yeah, like yeah. Uh, the the building the plane on your flight. Like right. that's uh yeah, I think but again, like so much of church work, so much of our lives is we're all um uh, beginner experts, yeah. <laughs> novice uh, intermediaries. We're all figuring it out as we go. Yeah, I think that's true about faith, about life. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to have certain skills and competencies, obviously. Uh, but in the context of relationship and when you're with people in that group, we had a, an amazing group of lay people and a couple of staff helping with that mm-hmm. that just really uh, are people who know how to get things done and understand how to bring in other points and opinions and viewpoints right. and then helped us as a church to do that. Um so as the process got going, what sort of things uh, stick with you? Yeah. Well, the first thing I think that was very quick to to see is that we were a gr- really good cross-section from the church. I mean, we're a large church, right? And yeah. so, I mean, I don't, I think I maybe knew one other person in that room yeah. that I had actually like had a conversation yeah. with at one point and everybody sure. else was a new face maybe, you know, so... Yeah. Um, I think there was a really great cross-section. And I don't think that means that any of us were more or less involved or doing anything. I just, it's a big place. And there's a lot of yeah. ways to plug in and be involved that don't necessarily cross over. And so that I had noticed immediately. Ages, you know, genders, um, backgrounds, whether they were brand new to United Methodist or lifelong United. There was a lot of, like, yeah. diversity in the space. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, we had folks who have grown up Methodist their entire mm-hmm. lives, folks who had joined the church in the past year. And we're becoming Methodist in the right. past year and learning a lot. And we had people who were sort of in between or who'd mm-hmm. grown up in the neighborhood. So just a nice yeah. a nice mix of people and youth and older adults, mm-hmm. everybody in between. So I think the process itself uh, went through a lot of iterations and a lot of information gathering. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you helped us do, as Beth referenced last week in her podcast, you can go back and listen to that episode, uh, all the data wonks, the computer <laughs> nerds, the people who help sort uh, logistics, logistics, logistics. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that process of taking all the uh, the input and data, how we gathered that, and then how we massaged it into our vision statement, and then we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. So I think data gathering is interesting. There's a, a lot that goes into that. I think the analysis of that and who's doing it, there's all kinds of ways that that can go sideways. And, sure. um, and you know, biases and, and really thinking, being very intentional and strategic. So we had Blair Zant from the conference who was there to really help guide that process. There were some other experts in the room who had done some assessment and understood, like, if we don't do this well, it's really not valuable. Sure. Right? If and it just confirms the things we already think. Or, right. Yeah. Then what's the process? And like you have there? to be really careful, I think, with data to not influence it in ways that you already have those preconceived notions around. So Blair kept saying things like, we're going to be listening for God to repeat themselves. And I think for me, that was really, really important that we were looking at the data to see where is God repeating themselves, not you know, looking for what we think we should see or what we've heard or anecdotally understand and what our experience has been, but seeing those that repetition, where is God repeating God's self? And I think that was really um, powerful for me. And Blair was very intentional about using that phrase over and over again throughout the whole entire process, no matter what we were doing, yeah. where do we hear God repeating God's self? And I think that was really important in how we started the approach around data. And we did you know, we tried to really collect in a variety of different ways, and sure. you certainly, yeah, were electronic. A part of that. We yeah. had in person, sort of like town hall gatherings. We had a Wednesday night dinner. We had, uh, and all this was covered in prayer, yeah, and and helping people understand that it's not asking what do you love about the church, what is the thing you want us to continue doing or stop doing. Yeah. It's what do you hear God 
and our neighbors and people who are not yet a part of this church right. uh, or who are new to the church or who've been here for forever, what, what, do you, what do they hear God telling us over and over again? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really um, affirming. Like when you see something multiple times, it sort of helps you pay attention to it. Right. Right. Yeah. So in, in the data sorting, could you talk briefly about all the spreadsheets? <laughs> Just They're all of you spreadsheet people get very excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of spreadsheets and workbooks and tabs and colors and, <laughs> yeah. you know, so we, we, what we did was we really took all of the feedback and all the different ways that we collected it and, and put it into an electronic format that we could then um, sort and theme. Mm. So we identified themes that we, we, I went through pretty much everything and looking for where do I see things popping out that are repetitive and sure. then identified themes that that would fit into. Okay. And so once we had those themes, and there were quite a few, we did subtopics under each theme. And then we took all of that data and I and each, we did it in pairs. Everybody on the committee took took some part of it and said this fits in this theme with this topic. And then we were able to really put out some really beautiful charts and graphs that showed us where God was repeating God's self because we saw it in those themes. They just, the themes that kept getting repeated and topics yeah. that kept getting repeated, those bar graphs went higher and higher, right? Sure, sure. So so from a visual standpoint, we could see it because yeah. you had taken the time to tabulate all the data. And so if you were, can you give us an example of something you sorted? Like, because uh, I, I do think this is helpful in the the nerdy informational part of it, but again, using we're people who believe in science and religion. We're people who <laughs> right. believe in using our brains and our spirits Absolutely. in life and in work yeah. and in church. We don't check our brain at the door. Right. So for me, this exemplifies that. Yeah. But uh, tell us like an example of sure. one sort of flow sure. through. So we um, there were questions about, like you said, what do we stop, start, continue? Right. We asked a lot of that type of question, and so people, someone might suggest, you know. Um, there's there's a lot of information in the email. I can't read it all or I don't read it all. It's just too much. Or I can't find what I'm looking for on the website. Or I love that I get this really comprehensive email. So some people said, oh, this is really great. And then some people were like, oh, it's too much. Sure. So we would theme that under communication. And okay. then we would either identify it as uh, an opportunity or a, a, a challenge. Sure. And so I think there were um, there were a lot of uh, ways that we could look at the data, right? So we were both identifying it as an opportunity to do something better, something that we were already doing really well and they were enjoying and that was a positive. Yeah. But it could have been in the same theme, right? Some people had opportunities or saw opportunities within sure. communication and some people were like, we're doing this really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think what, what you helped us to do is have the understanding of what category it was in, but also qualifying. Is this good, bad, neutral, opportunity threat, right. uh, something something in that way of helping it have more than nuance of like, you know, 40 people mentioned email. Right. Uh, like like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's helpful, but it's not uh, when if, if you don't know what it means right. uh, or what's right. significant, case significant. Yeah, and the so. same thing with like, um, so if we were talking about online services, right? Sure, sure. And some folks were like, oh, we, we, this is, we need to continue this because, and they would give very clear examples of why it was important for them or their or folks they knew or okay. their yeah. community. Um, and so or people are like, oh, maybe, you know, we need to take those online people and get them in the seat. Right. So how do we identify we're talking about yeah. the same thing, but we're looking at it through a different lens? Sure. And so where do we see it as a threat and how can we turn that threat into an opportunity in a way that's really meaningful for the church and help folks who feel like it's a threat see it? as an opportunity instead. Yeah, yeah. Last week in the podcast, I talked about how we've had uh, new people worship online with us Mm -hmm. and then show up on a Wednesday night to talk with me about baptism and their kid. And then come Sunday, 
join the church and have their kid baptized in their first ever time in a worship service in person. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's again three or four of those stories that I know some folks who are joining the AV team this season mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, joined the church in the pandemic online. Uh, and and this is yeah. a part of it. Well, yeah. and I think it helps you see like we all of us live in sort of our own echo chambers, right? We're hearing sure. what we think and what we, mm-hmm. you know, view. So we're around people who sort of think in similar ways to us most of the time, not always and not everybody, but there's a lot of opportunity for that. And so I think there's this sense that if I'm hearing this, then that's true across the board and mm-hmm. collecting the data in that way and visualizing it and showing, well, actually, most people think that online services are great. And there is a small pocket who don't quite understand the value in it yet. Okay. Right. Yeah. But that that number was really, really small. The folks who mentioned it in that way, it wasn't what some folks thought it might be. Sure. So that was really helpful to say. Oh, and, and I think everyone who might have seen it that way was like, oh, okay. Well, now that makes sense. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Last week after the podcast launched, uh, thanks for listening to that, y'all, uh, and watching it because it's on YouTube as well in a visual capacity. You can also watch it on Spotify on your phone, plug your phone into your car, drive somewhere and listen, listen to it. Yeah. And then you get there, unplug your phone. And while you're waiting on something, watch the end of it. I'm mesmerized by technology. Um, so it's it's in all these places. But someone came up to me uh, at Wednesday in the hallways uh, on the way to dinner and said, um, I never really understood what you know online worship could be for our church. And I was a little skeptical of it. But the way you explained it. Yeah. And so for them, it was this sort of this connecting point, mm-hmm. even with something as silly as the podcast, to be a way to help them understand and connect those data points together. Mm-hmm. So in the process, you crunched all the stuff, you did all the things with the vision team, uh, and then y'all sort of codified it into these uh, really four categories yeah. uh, around connect, grow, live, and also inclusivity and how that fits in. So I'll, I'll read the vision statement for us. I know you've heard it a lot, uh, but if it's your first time hearing it, you know, this is important. So the new vision of Oak Grove is to build inclusive, life-changing communities and experience transformation in Jesus Christ. In order to do this, Oak Grove will connect with each other, grow in our faith, and live out our faith in the world. So that's the hammering out of all those months, all the 1,600 plus data points, the hours of Excel spreadsheets uh, or Google or whatever flavor it was, uh, led us into having a really codified and clear uh, statement of the vision of our church for the next five years. And that was not easy. It sounded like we just, oh, we just plucked those out and there they were. But um, there was a lot of conversation that went into that. And I think one of the key things that we really talked a lot about was we started with four. And inclusion was one of them. Yeah. It's sort of this separate thing. And someone said, well, you know, inclusion really should be a part of everything. It, it should it, be included. Yeah, it should things. be. Yeah. It should be its own. Like we check the box over here for inclusion and, and then we sort of forget about it. But in all of these things that we're talking about, that should just be a natural part. And so mm. the decision to actually move that word into the actual statement at this as like the first word in the yeah. vision statement was a big it was a big conversation, and it was really intentional and I think really important. But it also meant that we we have to live up to that, right? We have, we're held accountable to this yeah. word that has a lot of weight. If, if you're going to have inclusion and inclusivity as like the third word in your thing, you better do it. Uh, and so, so what are some opportunities that came out of the vision process for inclusivity and in all the ways it means yeah. like, that you see or, or opportunities that we have as a church? Sure. Yeah. So I think there's um, a, a lot of different ways that we view that, right? It's are we um, spending time with people who are not like us 
in in every way that 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 means yeah. right we need we need some more of that in this world yeah right less right? echo chambers more yeah. listening and conversation yeah. so whether that they look like us they think like us they're the same age as us they sure. uh, had the same life experience as us i think as much as we can invite people who are not of this homogenous variety that we all seem to you know gather into mm-hmm. Um, into the space and make them feel welcome. Um, and I think the more that we represent people who don't look like us and talk like us and think like us and act like us, the more we will invite people to say, it's okay to be here. And I think we're doing that. Yeah. Even like um, in the past couple of months of having the vision launch at Easter and then hearing, uh, we've had folks visiting. Part of my job is connecting with new people who visit mm-hmm. and a broader diversity of people are visiting. Yeah. So so when you think about... Um, Again, setting the church vision for five years, and what do we when we look back on this in five years? I do think this will be one of the things we can look at and say, yes, we did some of that. Right. So for a lot of communities, inclusion means a lot of things. Uh, in the disability community, for folks like me who have a kid with disabilities, it means making sure that something is accessible for my kid. Uh, inclusion also means uh, other kinds of diversity for folks uh, of different racial backgrounds, people with different ethnic backgrounds, language experience, life experience, political views. Uh, folks in the LGBTQI community, people of different gender expressions. How do we figure out this life together and recognize that all of this intersects in a way? Uh, Kimberly Crenshaw's uh, phrase, intersectionality, mm-hmm. that all of these parts and pieces come together in a way. Uh, that feels very much like the work of God in the world to help things be a bit more unitive and together. Right. Uh, and I love how that uh, is a part of our vision as a church. Yeah. One of the things that I see often in our political discourse and social things, uh, anything we're doing in a community setting, is there are people who are going to disagree with each other about how to do that best. Right. Um, in the church world, there's never just one way to do anything. That's why we have committees to make committees about committees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is this group process that happens. In order for that group process to happen, you have to be able to have communication and conversation with each other. You have to have that mutual respect and understanding Mm -hmm. uh, that this person is made in the image of God and has sacred worth just like me. Uh, Even though we have different life experiences that have changed or made us have different views, we can still come together in Christ and have meaningful conversation uh, and dialogue and work together. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, that's really exciting that we can say that. Uh, aspire to that and then work towards it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Thank you for helping our team do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also neat to see that process unfolding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is true. I mean, I think when you're in it, you you're like, is this going to work? Like, yeah. are these little things that all these these small things we think, okay, we're well, we're going to do these, and you're one little part, you know, maybe doing this one sure. thing, and then you start sure. to see it over time happening, and you're like. Oh, it is working. <laughs> Whatever all these people are doing is actually making a difference. <laughs> There's the episode in the office. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Everyone's running around. If you don't know the show, you know the meme at least. Right. But it's uh, it, it gets really exciting when you work together with a team and have a vision for what's happening. Uh, and then you see those things happening. Mm-hmm. It really is like, oh, oh. Uh, and again, not for us to claim credit for that, but to celebrate that we heard what we uh, believe God is saying and mm-hmm. God is repeating God's self. And we're trying to put those things into place, yeah. not perfectly, but working towards it. Uh, and then to see uh, fruit from that is really exciting. It is. Really yeah. exciting. And I think it's um, it's something that makes you think it, it validates the work, right? I'm, I'm sure that people listening have been on committees when you're like, this is a waste of time. <laughs> or those meetings yeah. when you're like nobody or the workshop that everybody's forgotten two months later or yeah. the thing that you've done. And I think it's very validating to know that you've spent time, as much time as we did and effort and energy putting into something and 
all of the you know work that the whole committee did and and the conference you know supporting us and and the staff who've really underpinned the whole thing and actually are mostly doing the work at this point you know uh and and there's fruit from that and i think it's very validating and makes it worth the effort and the next time somebody asks you to do something you're much more willing when you see fruit from that first effort right yeah. Yeah. Anytime you have a positive experience, uh, you, yeah. you want to come back to that thing. Uh, yeah. We talk about a positive volunteer experience from the, mm-hmm. the AV team to helping lead a children's choir to any of these things, right. making sure people who are leading things and volunteering have a good experience. Uh, and it's not just like about customer service or that part of it. Right. It's about helping people understand and feel the value of that and to see it having an impact on people's lives. Right. Um, working with uh, a children's Sunday school class is not easy for those of us with little kids we, this is our life. Um, working with our youth group, all, all these things take time and commitment, playing in the band each week. Right. Some rehearsals are better than others. You know, yeah. this, this is uh, some Sunday mornings uh, for us who preach or do things go better than others. Right. But, but it's about doing the work and being together. Mm-hmm. And when you can see your part of that coming together and the, the, the sum of your parts being greater than just you by yourself, mm-hmm. uh, that is part of the sort of miraculous nature of the body of Christ is that we all bring our giftedness. We bring our real true selves yep. Uh, that we're welcomed and included and we belong, and we contribute that into this work of the church. And what we get out of that can be something that is uh, borderline miraculous yeah. uh, and see those moments, those those glimpses of really uh, kingdom work. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I think that feeling of inclusion, you know, comes from st- – you, you see it in the same way, those little things, those little moments. You know, you join a band and you don't really know anybody. And we've been together, most of us in the band have been together for a yeah. very long time. I mean, really yeah. and truly for a long time at this point. And that is my small group. That's my community here at Oak Grove. But also, I mean, those are the people I go to when I need help or when I feel good or, you know, they're that's my family. Mm-hmm. But I think the the small things that have happened along the way, when I look back, I see that. But I didn't see that in the moment while it was happening, yeah. feeling included and and known and felt like I had a place in a place that might not always accept, you know, me. Yeah. Well, um, and I think that's positive and helpful to hear from your experience being welcomed here and included and, uh, and for your helping lead us in all these different ways. Uh, that's just a really a powerful testament to the work of this church. Uh, our job as staff people and as clergy especially is to help lay people do the work of the church. Like literally my job uh, as a deacon is connecting the church and the world. It makes sense for my job. Yeah. Uh, but also helping people find those places to use their giftedness and then also in turn to receive things when they need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a huge part of this work and this life together. Yeah. I think of it as holding space for things. Yeah. So when A1M, when I'm at work, um, whether it be, you know, a woman in a meeting where we're the only two women, I want them, if there's, if it's obvious that they're having, um, imposter syndrome or they're not speaking up, I want them to feel comfortable. So if I do that and I represent that for them, they're like, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. So I think the more we are our real selves around people, the more people who might be worried about being them, their real selves can show up in that space. So it's that let's make space for you and I'll show you how I've done that. Yeah. So I think those of us who figured it out a little bit <laughs> have to help others <laughs> help do that others. too along the way. Every time I see a, a little girl looking at me play bass, I'm like, yeah, you can do this too. You're yeah. it's okay. You can play guitar, you can play bass, you can do whatever you want to do. And then if I wear my pride strap and I play bass, it's like, yeah, you can be here and do this too if you want to. So I think holding space is really important and and representation is huge. It matters. 
Yeah, and it's that permission giving, space holding, mm -hmm. and also just frankly like allowing a space for people to belong. Yeah. Um, the old ways of church, I say this a lot, used to be you had to uh, behave like a Christian, become a Christian, then you belonged. Right. The way this church has done things for a number of years and especially now is doing is you belong here and we're going to sort out the rest of this later. Yeah. So, so it's sort of like, let's get our boots on, let's go do the things God is up to in our community and, and pay attention for those other people who are looking for that kind of space right. and time. And for us as a church, like having folks uh, of some of these different backgrounds and experiences in life and leadership in the church makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and it also, it takes folks saying yes. Yeah. Uh, and so us in leadership as staff people and lay leadership of the church are always trying to find ways for people to get plugged in. So if you're somebody who's interested in leading something, uh, if you've been asked or not, or maybe you're interested in that, uh, reach out to us. There are ways to connect in that way that help you to find a place to offer your gifts and service to the church, uh, but also help other folks uh, see themselves in the work that we are doing as a community. Yeah. It's really important. And don't be afraid to say, you know, I, I can help with that if you need me, you know, if you sure. want to jump in and, and let us know, because we don't know you have that great talent if you don't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we find it on the internet somewhere. But yeah, it'd be great to just, it's it's easy. And I promise you, if you if you say, oh, I, I can help with that, they will take you up on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, that's a huge part of the work of the church. Again, it's just yeah. getting folks' giftedness and bringing their full selves to that work as we do this work together. Carrie, thanks for being here and being a part of the conversation, uh, for bringing yourself to all this work that you do, from bass playing to data sorting uh, <laughs> to all the things in your work at Georgia Tech. We're glad to have you here. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I'm, I'm happy to be included and welcomed. Thank you all for listening and watching, uh, finding the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. If you want to leave some comments, you can do that on it. Uh, if you want to give us a rating, hey, that's always great. Five stars is the best, right? Uh, but we're also uh, grateful for all the ways that you're involved in the life of our church and the way that so many of you listening are finding this to be a meaningful, uh, long-form way to engage in content here at the church. So uh, we'll see you next week on our next episode uh, of the podcast as we talk with Seth Hathcock about uh, what it means to grow in our faith. Uh, so looking forward to that, uh, and we'll see you in the next episode.